Good morning. You glad to be in God's house? Man, you sang beautifully today. Take your Bibles out. Find the book of Jonah, please. The book of Jonah. Kim reminded me yesterday, I kind of accidentally stumbled on a series here, didn't I? Um, I thought I was done talking about Jonah, but I had a chapter left. And God wouldn't let me out of it. I want to ask you to go with me on a real introspective journey. I said a few weeks ago that we've all got a little bit of Jonah in us. Um, I, 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 I was very honest and open. It's mostly, I'm talking about me. Um, I've, I got more Jonah in me than I want to admit sometimes. Kids, take your notes out. I mean, you're getting candy, right? So it's worth it. But I want you to grab a couple of truths. I got three questions I want to ask all of us. Kids, they're in your notes. And I want you to answer them because I wish I would have answered them when I was your age. So we're just going to catch up with you kids today. All of us old folk, we're going to catch up with you. Danny, how you doing, buddy? Good to see you, bro. Glad you're here, man. Jonah chapter 1 through 3, you know the story. Unfortunately, it's been kind of reduced to a children's story. It is not. It is clearly not. Jonah was a prophet. Jonah was called by God to do God's work. And Jonah, when God came to him and said, go talk to Nineveh, uh, because their evil was just running over, as it were. Jonah said, not today. Jonah couldn't get past his own feelings. He couldn't get past his hate. He couldn't get past his racism. He couldn't get past what people had done to him. I'm preaching whether you realize it or not so far. And Jonah hops on a ship and he goes in the opposite direction of Nineveh and God sends a storm. And God will do that, yes? And God will send a storm sometimes to get our attention. He sent a storm and the sailors realized Jonah was the problem. So they threw Jonah overboard and along comes a giant fish. This is why I think it gets reduced to a children's story because if that don't interest you or, or, or at least pique your interest, man, I don't know what will. But Jonah got thrown over and a giant fish came along, swallowed him up. Jonah did what he should have done, and he prayed. When he prayed, the fish spit him out on the beach, and he makes his way to Nineveh, and he tells Nineveh, 40 days, God's got a clock. God's got a clock, and it's ticking. It's ticking for me, and it's ticking for you. I don't think it's an accident that he gave a stopping point for Nineveh. And he told Nineveh, 40 days and you will be overthrown. And we learned a couple of weeks ago that that word overthrown can mean two things. You can either be overturned and destroyed completely or overturned and changed forever. And Nineveh fell on their knees and they repented. And now I want you to just try to imagine how Jonah is feeling. A nobody who ran away from God, who did the exact opposite of what God told him to do. God 
came again to Jonah and gave him another chance, even told him what to say, set him up beautifully. He knocks it out of the park. 120,000 people come to know God as their Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus. This was a big win for Jonah. This was huge. Jonah should have been celebrating. If he were alive today, he would have been booked at every major mega church to speak on how he did it. He would have wrote some books. He'd have been on the Today Show. It would have been amazing. He would have literally been a star evangelist. But instead, Jonah was mad. Matter of fact, if you dig into the original language, it's kind of more than that. Look with me in Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. He should have been exhilarated. Instead, he was bummed. Your Bible says this, Jonah 4, verse 1, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. The king stepped up, made a declaration, and said everybody, the, the men, the women, the children, even the animals, they had to be in mourning, sackcloth. They were to lay in the dust and the ashes, and they were to mourn. They were to lament their life, and they were to call out on God for forgiveness. And we know that God staved his hand of judgment when they did that. We learned that last chapter. But if you look at this, when it said he was angry, I, I want to just... I want to confront Jonah and I want to say, Jonah, do you understand what's happening here? Do you not see the good in the midst of all the stuff that you don't like? Do you not see people are coming to the Lord? People are turning. People are going the right way. I know a lot of people ain't, Jonah, and I know they hurt you, but do you see what's happening? What's your perspective, Jonah? This was so big. If you look at this, it says he was displeased and he was angry. That's verse 1. Interesting way this is parsed out because the word displeased means evil. I, I want you to look at that. This was a word that described Jonah, the man who just declared the word of the Lord and the folks turned to God. It says he was evil. But that word angry means to be on fire. In other words, he spoke what God told him to speak. And then he was burning with evil as he looked back over the last 24 hours that God actually did what he said he was going to do. He didn't like it. What's interesting to me is that when God looked at Nineveh before they repented, he saw the situation as evil and God was angry. But after they repented, Jonah looked at Nineveh and he was angry. We need to get on the same page as God in how we look at things, how we look at the world, how we look at our faith, how we look at our families, how we, you get the idea. We need to see what he sees, see it the way he sees it, through the lens that he sees it. So let's continue and see how he deals with his anger. I think he did the right thing. Verse 2, so he prayed to the Lord. He prayed to the Lord. That's a good thing. But man, let's pause for a second because... If you look at the book of Jonah, I know we only have four chapters, but man, it covers a lot of territory, and Jonah only prayed two times. The first time he prayed was when he was in trouble. He was in the belly of the big fish, and his back was against the proverbial wall, 
So he prayed when he was in trouble, but then he prayed a second time because he was mad. Stop and think about it, please, with me. I'm curious if that's a mirror to our life. Kids, question number one. Kids, I'll talk to you, and I hope the parents are listening. Question number one, when do you pray? Jonah prayed when he was in trouble, and he prayed when he didn't like what God was doing. When do you pray? It's rhetorical. I'm not expecting you to blurt it out, but do you pray sometimes when things don't go your way? You know, we try to convince God he needs to nudge things over a little bit this way or that way because it wasn't exactly what we prayed for. When do we pray? Do we call out on God when we're hurting? I hope you do. But my question is, is that the only time? When do we pray? A true relationship with Christ is so much more than just calling out on God when we're in trouble, when the funds get low, when the kids get sick, or when we're mad. And I think we've all been mad about something over the last couple of weeks, if you're paying attention at all. What I want us to realize early on in this message that God wants to do so much more than just rescue us from our pain. He wants to do so much more than just get us out of a jam. He wants to do so much more than that. He's so much bigger than that. I hope we see it. He comes to give us life. He comes to give us life to the fullest, literally running over. He's, he's not just a way out. He's everything. Is it a mirror for our life? When do we pray? I think it's a fair question. I want to encourage us all today, and if, if you hear nothing, please hear this. We need more than a crisis relationship with God. We need more than a relationship that I just don't like how I am, so I'm going to call on God. I don't like where I'm at, so I'm going to call on God. Verse 2, so he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? In other words, <laughs> Jonah's getting ready to give God a big I told you so. How I many No, you can't give God an I told you so? I've tried to give God an I told you so. It didn't work too well for me. He prayed, isn't this... What I said when I was still in my country, therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God. He's not saying this in praise, by the way. He's saying this as criticism. God help us see it. You're gracious and you're merciful God, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness. Aren't you glad, church? One who relents from doing harm. Therefore, verse 3, therefore now, O Lord, take my life from me. Wait, what? Hold it. All the things Jonah just declared that God was. And he turns and says, just kill me now. Look at the way he described our God. He said that God was gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness. One who relents from doing us harm. And he turns and says, take my life from me. It's better for me to die than to live. What Jonah is saying, church, please, let's put ourselves in this story. What he's saying is, I can't believe. God, I can't believe that you would ever have compassion on those people. You know, 
those people. Jonah's, if nothing else, he's transparent. If nothing else, he's honest with his feelings. Right, wrong, or indifferent, he, he's being honest with God. And I give him credit for that. I feel like Jonah's saying, God, look how corrupt they are. How can you forgive them? God, thank you for being patient with me. Remember where he was when he prayed the first time. Oh, God, thanks, even though I disobeyed, even though I deserved judgment, thanks for being patient with me, but them? Them? I can't be patient with Nineveh. I can't accept them. I can't give them the truth. I can't forgive. I can't accept. I can't lean in to the Ninevites. And I can't believe, God, that you did. Hmm. I'll never ever give someone that doesn't deserve it a second chance, Jonah was saying. God, forgive us. We find Jonah right smack dab in the middle of a great contradiction in his life. Because he, on one hand, is a beautiful picture of grace. Yet, on the other hand, he doesn't want to demonstrate it or show it or offer it to somebody else. When you try to live in that paradox, when you try to live in that kind of a contradiction, you'll be miserable. Miserable. Because you'll constantly be, constantly be confronted with how God showed you grace and you haven't extended it. Constantly. That, that is just, that's just such confusion in your life. You'll constantly be telling God you don't understand. You're constantly telling God, why did you do this or not do that? It's a great contradiction. Jonah was angry because he had been hurt by Nineveh. Let's make it personal. Is that you? You're like, Jeff, let's just dial it back a little bit. Don't go in so hard. I said it before. I'll say it again. This might be the last chance I get, so I'm going to ask the hard questions that God asked me. Is that you? Are you thankful for your forgiveness, but you're angry at someone else? I mean, at least have the character of a pouting prophet and admit it. At least have the character of someone who ran from God and say, you know what? Yeah, that's me. I love the forgiveness I've received. I don't deserve it, but they sure don't deserve it. Is that us? Is that us? Are you harboring bitterness, unforgiveness? Maybe you're harboring bitterness and unforgiveness towards someone because you suffered abuse. I get it. I totally get it. As was I. Maybe you've been told you're no good, you're not worth anything. I get it. So was I. Maybe your friends have completely hung you out to dry, stabbed you in the back slandered you. They've lied and you're bitter and you're angry because you're hurt. I get it. And maybe some of you are thinking, you know what, this is a good weekend for me to be here because I'm not dealing with unforgiveness so I get a free pass. Let me help you with something. The distant cousin of unforgiveness that hides in the darkness and will present itself at the worst possible time is something called resentment. 
See, resentment is a much more vague and a much more smaller thing. But resentment not dealt with creates a room for unforgiveness. So don't write it off that you have not forgiven. I'm asking you, as I've asked myself, but are you still dealing with resentment? Maybe you're resentful at your spouse. They spend too much money. Maybe you're resentful because your family, your spouse, your parents, whatever, they're not meeting your emotional needs. It's not that you don't forgive them, but there's a wall there. There's resentment. You can't get past it. And what's unfortunate is because you can't get past the wall, they can't get past it to you either. Jonah dealt with resentment. Maybe you're resentful because there's things from your past that you just can't seem to forgive yourself. Are you resentful at your boss? How about your kids? They don't call you enough. Anybody? How about your parents? They've disappointed you to the degree that you just can't get over it. Here's the thing. We have to forgive. We have to forgive and we have to drop our resentment. Here's why. We will live forever in bondage if we do not. We'll act free. We'll say we're free. But when the lights go down and we lay our head on the pillow and we stare at the dark ceiling, resentment is the one that calls our name. We have to forgive. We have to let go. I hope you're hearing me. If you don't want to use Jonah as the example because right now he's not a very good one, I would ask you to consider your Lord Jesus Christ. The things I mentioned that maybe we're dealing with, he was hanging on the cross and he was abused, he was abandoned, he was slandered, he was spit in the face, he was hit, he was beaten, etc., etc. His response as he hung on the cross was, you know it, Father, forgive them. Jesus hits this topic dead on the head and right between the eyes in the book of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. The words of Jesus said this, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But, but, if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. I, I feel like I need to read that again. You know, that's in your Bible. That's in your Bible, Matthew 6, 14, and listen, 15. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Somebody say amen. amen. But, but if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not, will not, not might not, will not forgive you. Of your sins. Talk about the great contradiction. We've got to be a group of people that forgive unconditionally. Amen, Jeff. And I'm the first to admit it hurts. It's painful. It's not easy. I get it. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes we want someone else to say they're sorry. I get it. Who do you need to forgive right now? I'm asking you to write it down. Don't let this day go by you again. Who do you need to forgive? Do it today. But real quick, before I move on, maybe you're the one that needs to ask forgiveness. 
Hey, don't get off the hook that easy just because we as Christ followers need to forgive. Maybe you're the one that's caused the harm. Church, don't allow your mind to get clogged up with ideas about thoughts about people and what they've done and what they're thinking about you. Please, please, their judgments and their criticism, they mean nothing for eternity. We need to forgive. Jonah, unfortunately, is not interested in that concept right now. He's not. That's just not what he's down for. He's pretty angry, so God just peers into his life. God, the, the, the psalmist said that God inclines his ear to us. It's like when an adult talks to a little kid and the kid's talking and, and, a, and, a, and an adult lowers himself so he can hear. God does that for us. And he does that for Jonah in our text. He peers into his life and he inclines his ear to him and God tries to engage in a conversation with Jonah. How awesome is that? That the creator of the universe stops everything and looks at Jonah and says this in verse 4. The Lord said, Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? Man, what a trick question, but straightforward. See, he could justify it because of how he felt. But in light of who God is, it wasn't right for him to be angry. It wasn't right for him to turn away from those people and turn away from God for that matter. I mean, I can see God telling Jonah, Jonah, come on, man, 120,000 people got their life right. Are you kidding me? Is it right for you to be? No, it's not right for you to be angry. I can't believe you're doing this. And God's speaking with him, and he's, and he's stopped and paused and waited on a reply from Jonah. And your Bible says this in verse 5, And Jonah went out of the city, sat on the east side of the city. Are you serious? I can imagine God being like, wait, what? I was just talking to you, man. Don't walk away from me. God asks him a question, and he throws his hand up, and he turns. And he walks away again from God. See, God wanted to talk to Jonah, but Jonah walked away pouting. He sits down outside the city, Jonah's taking his ball and going home. I'm not playing this game, God. I don't like those people. I can't believe you blessed them. I believe Jonah's acting incredibly immature. I'm believing you would think the same thing. I ask again, is this chapter a mirror for our life? All of verse 5, Jonah went out of the city, set at the east side of the city. He made himself a shelter. He sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. Please get what's happening here. Jonah's not getting the answer from God, so he just goes. He sits down. He gets him a, a, a nice lawn chair. He sits down, props his feet up. He looks over at Nineveh just waiting to see what God's going to do to Nineveh. Like he's got God in a big proverbial chicken wing and he's holding God there like, God, I'm going to sit right here until you just destroy these folks because of their evil. God's like, I, man, I already forget. Why are you angry? I forgave you. I showed you grace. I can't believe that you're acting this way, Jonah. He's like, I'm going to wait right here until you do something. I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to let this play out. I'm not going to engage with you, God. I'm not going to engage with the people. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to see how this plays out. And when I see how this plays out, I might do something. 
God forgive us. Now, I got to be honest with you. If I were God, I'd slap him at worst, ground him at least. But God doesn't because God's a God of compassion. So if, if, if so far it has been somewhat of a mirror, maybe not perfectly, but if it has been somewhat of a mirror, understand that God cares. God loves and he still comes to you. Would you look at this object lesson God does? This is such a beautifully odd piece of scripture to me. I mean, again, understand what Jonah's doing. Jonah hasn't even responded to God's question. Is it right for you to be angry? I'm out. I'm out. And he goes and sits down. God could have easily passed judgment on him right then, right there. But he doesn't. Thank you, God. Look at verse 6. I want you to notice a couple of words. Specifically, I want you to notice the word provided. And the Lord God provided a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. Hold on a second. I would have had that sun baking down on him until he cried out to God. I would have. I'm being totally honest with you. I don't don't know if that's right, wrong, or indifferent. But man, come on. He had a plant grow, a vine which shaded him because his bald head was scorched in the sun. Oh, God. So Jonah was very grateful for, aren't we moody? I'm so angry I want to die. All right, thanks for the plant, whatever. Do you, are you reading the same story I'm reading? This guy is all over the place. The word of God comes to him. Nope, not doing it. Doing the exact opposite. Fine, getting a fish. The word of the Lord comes again. There's a little grace. He does it. People get saved. People come to God. They repent. They lament for their life. He's mad again. Well, now he's not so mad because he's not as hot. Wow. Watch this. God provided a plant and made it grow to ease his discomfort because God cares about the little stuff. God cares about the small stuff in your life, the small things. I know, I know, I know, I know we might have that big thing we've got to deal with. Jonah did, but God is such a God of compassion that he even cares about the scorching sun coming down on this prophet's head. I hope you can see it. Jonah's hot, and so he gives him something to protect him from the heat. Verse 7, but as morning dawned the next day, look, watch this, now God provided a worm, and it so damaged the plant that it withered. <laughs> and it happened when the sun arose, God provided a vehement east wind, and the sun beat on Jonah's head again so that he grew faint. Oh, then again, now he wishes for death on himself. It's better for me to die than to live, Jonah, seriously. I want you to notice God provided the plant, He provided the worm, He provided the wind. Jonah still is not content. He's not excited about where his life is right now. 
Can we agree Jonah's not excited about where his life is right now? I have to ask us, are we excited about where our life is right now? No, listen, I can list all the things that I'm a little uptight about right now. I get it. I'm with you. I think we're on the same page on most of it. But as I said Wednesday, deep in, I know things are evil. But my Bible says where evil abounds, grace does so much more abound. We have to understand that. We have to grasp that. Are you happy with your life right now? Seriously, I want you to think about it. A lot of people just aren't content where they are. Listen, and I'm not saying be content to not try to do better, to not try to be more. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about those who are just not happy with their marriage. Fix it. Those who aren't happy with their career, change it. Those who aren't happy with their parenting skills, fix it. Those who aren't happy in their financial decisions, make different ones. You're like, Jeff, you're oversimplified. I don't think I am. No, I don't think I am. See, what happens is we become more like Jonah than we want to admit. Marriage starts to fall apart. God, help me. I don't want to live. I just don't want to kill myself. I just do what you got to do, God. Oh, there's a little shade. Okay. All right, that ain't bad then. Life ain't too bad. Then there's a worm. Oh, God. We really need to get over ourselves, church. A lot of people wrestle with where they are in their life, and they're not happy about it. This is where Jonah's at. Did you, I thought of this. It's funny. If you saw my notes, you'd see this is in your notes. If somebody looked at my notes, they'd think, holy Toledo. Did you ever read the book, and, and I'll get it wrong, Alexander and a Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day? Grant boys read, apparently. It's a movie, too. In that case, I'll watch it. Jonah's having a horrible, no good, very bad day. But man, here's what I came to tell you today. Our God is the God of the horrible, no good, very bad day. Our God is the God of the horrible, no good, very bad day. Did you see the word provided in our text? It was there three times. God taught Jonah a lesson by providing a plant for the shade, a worm to eat the plant, and a strong wind to bring the scorching heat back to him because God cares about him so much that he knew exactly what he needed when he needed it. Oh, I wish we'd get it. Sometimes he's going to send you a vine to protect you, but sometimes God's going to send a storm. Sometimes he's going to send a worm, but sometimes he's going to send the shade. Sometimes he's going to win the, bring the wind. I don't know what he's bringing to your life right now, but it's from the Lord. What's it trying to do? Here's my second question. Do you honestly believe that God knows exactly what you need when you need it? Listen, this is a game changer. It helps you navigate through life. If you believe that God knows exactly what you need, exactly when you need it, you embrace that, you lean into it, and you go with him. I'm not talking about consequence of sin. I'm talking about storms that come into your life. You don't even know why they're there. 
Could it be? Could it be God provided it? Could it be? God's the God of provisions. He knows sometimes Jonah needs a season of covering. He didn't say he deserved it. He said he needed it. He grew faint. Jonah needed a season of covering, but sometimes Jonah needed a season of the scorching sun too. The truth is we want to serve the God of the plant, don't we? We want to serve the God of the vine, not the God of the worm. It's so much easier to serve the God of the plant. So much easier. Oh my goodness. We want to serve the God that makes us prosperous. We want to serve the God that blesses us. God, make my kids well. God, don't make me struggle financially. I'll serve you. We want to serve the God of the vine. But the reality is God's so much bigger than that. He's so much more than that. His character and the fullness of who he is is more than just the plant. Sometimes it involves the worm. Do we believe that he knows exactly what we want, exactly when, or exactly what we need when we need it? Do we believe it? I look at my life sometimes and how God provided for me. It's, uh, kids, it's something you do when you get a little older or real old. When I was a kid, he provided me wonderful parents. A mom that taught me patience. A dad that taught me generosity. When I was still a kid, God provided me a beautiful wife. He provided me with wonderful kids. I know they're all weird, but they're awesome. God provided me amazing grandkids, very unique in their way. God provided me good jobs. He provided me gifts. He provided me talents. And I'm so thankful. He provided me ministry opportunities. But please hear me. God also provided me naysayers and people that wanted to hold me down. God also provided things that would come against me. He provided the scorching sun and the seasons of my life when I needed the scorching sun. It all came from him. Do you see this? Listen, I thank him for the worms. I thank him for the wind. I thank him for the plant. I thank him for all of it because it's why I stand here today. Because it made me who I am. No better than you by the farthest stretch of the imagination. But it made me who I am. And it'll make you who God's called you to be. Jonah's in a mess right now. He's just upside down. He's in, he's out, he's in, he's out. He's not interested in provision. So God tries to engage him again. Jonah's not happening. So God says to Jonah, verse 9, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? See, God is trying to say, look, you don't want to talk about Nineveh? Fine. Why are you mad about the plant? I gave you the plant. I took the plant away. It's how I work. I give it. I loan it to you. You didn't use it to build up your strength. You didn't use it to restore yourself. You didn't use it. Yeah, you were grateful for it, but you didn't use it to make yourself better, to make a difference. So I took it away. I snatched it up off of you. I created a worm, and now the worm's good and fat, and you're still mad. You're still mad. Yeah, the worm's blessed. Look at the worm. The worm now can go for a month. And you're still mad. I'm not grateful anymore. You can't turn that stuff off. 
You either are or you're not. He said, is it right for me to eat it? He, I love Jonah's response. God asked him, is it right for you to be angry at the plant? Look how petty this man is. Church, please look, at, look how petty he is. Is it right for you to be angry? He said, it is right for me to be angry. In fact, I want to die now because of the plant. I can just see God going, you got to be kidding me. I'm going to kill you. Yep, it is right. Look, Jonah takes it upon himself to begin to argue with the creator of the universe. He's kind of snippy. He's kind of sarcastic. Can I be? He's kind of a punk. You know what? It is right. It is right for me to be angry. Now what? Now what, God? It is right for me to be angry. In fact, I'm going to be so angry, I want to be angry unto death. Can't get more angry than that, God. Let's cut to the chase. The reality of Jonah 4. I want to turn a corner here. And round third and head for home. The reality of this chapter. This is why I ask it to be a mirror. And yeah, I got another question to go. But the reality of this chapter for Jonah. It's all about Jonah. Everything in his life. The good the not so good, every single bit of it is all about Jonah. It's about his anger. It's about his preferences. It's about his perspective. It's about his unforgiveness, his bitterness, his resentment. It's about his comfort. It's not about what God has done for him. It's not about what God has done for the city. It's about Jonah. 100% about Jonah. What he's done, what, what God's taken away, what God's blessed. It's all about Jonah. He's completely and utterly focused on Jonah. How about our life? Don't answer too quickly, but how about our life? Is your life about you? Is your life, and, and, and I'm not saying you don't need self-care. Please don't mishear me. But I think you know the difference between that and your life being all about you. Not your way. Not what you wanted. Not what you thought. Not what you expected. I, I, I don't, I'm, I gotta be honest. I gotta ask the question. Is it all about your house? Is it all about your career? Is it all about your spouse? Is it all about where you go? Is it about your social media presence? Is it about your friends? Is it about your money? Is life about you? Jonah laying on the ground, buckled over, hating his life. This happens. God shows up and says this, and he's saying it to me, and he's saying it to you. Chapter 4, verse 10. And the Lord said, he's now responding to Jonah's answer, and is it okay for you to be mad at a plant? Yeah, I think it is. God says, 
You have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored. Nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. In other words, be glad you got what you got. He goes on and says, and should I not pity Nineveh? You pitied a plant. No, it's perspective, Jonah. You pitied a plant. You pitied something that you didn't do nothing for. I gave it to you. And I took it away. You're mad. Why should I, God said, not pity this great city, Nineveh, in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern their right hand from their left and their livestock? Let me paraphrase Jonah. Life's not about you, man. Jonah, you really need to get past this. Jonah, it's not about your anger. It's not about what you got. It's not about what I've done for you. Jonah, it's not about what you do or don't do. Jonah, it's about Nineveh. It's about Nineveh. It's all about Nineveh. Everything is about Nineveh. Jonah, I just used you in a good way. I involved you. I engaged you. Not because it's about you. Because it's about Nineveh. It's all about nothing else. Is about anything. Except Nineveh. Nineveh. If you're sitting at our campus here today. In Kettering, Ohio. It's about Nineveh. Your life is about Nineveh. Please hear me. If you're watching this online, if you're home in Dayton, Beaver Creek, Yellow Springs, wherever you're at, Fairborn, Tennessee, Florida, California, it's life is about Nineveh, period. Nothing more, nothing less. It's not about you. It's not about me. Life is about Nineveh. Question three, who is your Nineveh? Final question, who's your Nineveh? Where is your Nineveh? I'll tell you where it's at. Wherever you walk out your door and you lock eyes with somebody, you're in Nineveh. It's your Nineveh. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Nineveh. Why shouldn't God pity the great nation, the great city of Nineveh? Why not? Where's Nineveh? It's your school. It's your work. It's when you go on vacation. It's Nineveh. Because we live in a world where marriages are falling apart. It's Nineveh. People are broken. It's Nineveh. There's evil. It's Nineveh. It's not about us. It's not about our comfort. It's not about what we do. It's all about Nineveh. God said, Jonah, Jonah, let me set it straight. You're mad. I hate that you're mad. But this ain't about you, man. This is about the city of Nineveh. And you either get on board with it or you don't. But it's about Nineveh. See, life's not about us. We live in a world where kids grow up without dads, without moms. Homeless, have no shelter. People in this town are hungry. It's our Nineveh. Do you see it? It's not about us. 
Where is your Nineveh? Who is your Nineveh? Life's about Nineveh. Can you guys imagine what would happen if just the body Dayton agreed together and said, God, I'm not going to run anymore, but I'm going to engage with Nineveh. I'm going to get on board with Nineveh. I don't care what it costs me. I embrace my call to Nineveh because the call that God gave Jonah is the call he gave me and you to go to Nineveh. And it's all about Nineveh. I'm going to do what I got to do. I'm going to build a relationship with my neighbor. The grouchy one? The gay ones? The one that won't bring your shovel back? The one that lets their dog go in your yard? It's Nineveh. It's not about us. None of it. None of it. None of it is about us. Maybe, maybe God's saying, when spring, come paint somebody's house. Maybe God's saying, man, I, I, I got to extend grace to somebody that don't deserve it. God, I'm going to Nineveh. It's not about us, church. It's not about us. It's about Nineveh. And God gives and God takes away. And we've got a window of opportunity that's this big. God's got a clock and it ticks. And the longer we waste time worrying about me and self, the less time we have to make a difference in Nineveh. He's calling us to go to Nineveh. It's the story of Jonah. It's the story of this church. God, help us. We ask you to forgive us for our self-centeredness. We ask you to forgive us for our selfishness. We're sorry, Lord Jesus. I pray you forgive us as individuals. Forgive us as a church. Forgive us for, God, what we have not done. Forgive us, Lord, when we've gotten mad over something stupid. Forgive us, Lord Jesus, for making this about us. If it's a little bit, if it's a lot, God, we're, we're wrong. We have no right to be mad. Lord, forgive us in the name of Jesus. As you continue to pray, I want you to sit with your eyes closed, your head bowed for just a moment. I want you to feel the weight of this call today. Because I'm not making this because it's the religious thing to do. I'm not closing this service because we got to make a transition. You know that God put you on this earth to change eternity. If you don't know that, I'm telling you. If you don't know your purpose, I'm telling you. The Bible declares that our responsibility number one is to change the trajectory of eternity for Nineveh. Nineveh. That's why we're on this planet. That's why we have the time God's given us to make a difference in someone else's life for the glory and the kingdom of God. It's your Nineveh. For some, that means you've got to walk away from just some bad personality habits, man. So God can use you. You've got to walk away from some bad routines so God can use you. You've got to walk away from some bad thought processes so God can use you. You may have to walk away from some addictions so God can use you. Destructive habits, whatever it is, you've got to radically alter your life and give it to the Lord because Nineveh is dying. Nineveh needs Jesus. If you're hearing this and you're a Christ follower and you say, God, I want you to use me to change eternity. I'm, I'm reporting for duty. I've made it all about me, but God, forgive me. I'm sorry. 
And I don't know if it involves your unforgiveness, your resentment, your selfishness. It doesn't, listen, it doesn't matter between you and God. I don't need to know. It's none of my daggone business. But if you're a Christ follower and you want to sign up right now to change eternity, can you just throw your hand up as we agree together as a church? I know my role. I've made it about me, but I know my role. And my role is to go to daggone Nineveh. Come on. Just hold it up. Feel it burning your deltoid as we pray. God, I come to you right now and I pray you would use us. Church, you at home, just agree with us. God, that life would not be about us. Father, forgive us. Forgive us for getting in the way. Forgive us for pouting. Forgive us for being indifferent. Forgive us for what we've done, for what we haven't done. God, we, we're going to Nineveh. We'll leave here and walk into Nineveh. Use us. You've given us faith. You've given us hope. You've given us love. But the greatest of these is love. Send us to those people, God. Help us resist the temptation to hate people. Help us resist the temptation to look down and to be condescending. God, send us to Nineveh with the message that you can be overturned and destroyed or overturned and changed for all of eternity, Lord. Oh, that you would ignite a fire deep inside of us, Father, to change the world, to change Nineveh. As we continue to pray, I want to just talk to you for just 30 more seconds. If we have somebody here, somebody watching online, you're not a Christ follower, man. You, you're kind of kicking the tires on this whole God thing. You're not sure yet. You've leaned in and you've leaned out. You're in no place right now to try to change the world because you understand and you, you, you realize you can't even change your life. You can't even change your life. I want you to hear this. You're tired of the hurt. You're tired of the way you feel. You've tried of some behavior modification. You've tried it. You've tried it. You've tried it. You've tried it. And you're tired of it. You're tired of the lack of fulfillment. You're tired of the lack of joy. You're tired of the lack of peace. You're tired of being in one day and out the next. You're tired of being up, tired of being down. You're tired of the lack of direction. You're tired of not knowing what to do. You're tired of the right hand not knowing what the left hand is doing. I got good news. Over 2,000 years ago, God sent his son, and he died on a cross. But that ain't even the best part. They put him in a hole in the side of a hill and they covered it with a big rock. And one day went by and two days went by. And on the third day, Jesus Christ rose from the grave. And he's alive today. And he did that because he loves you. He loves you. Right in your lack of fulfillment. Right in your bad attitude. Right in your, your just jacked up, angry state of being. He came to you. Came to you. He came to you like he came to me on February the 21st, 1983. He came to me. 
he came to me and his clock was ticking. And I don't know if he's told you this before and I'm not suggesting that he has, but I'm saying it's part of my life story. He told me it's the last time I'm asking, Jeff. It's the last time I'm calling. He said, come. And I knew in my spirit it wasn't going to be a next time. And I relented my life. And I gave him all of me. I didn't trickle in. I didn't drift in. Oh, I jumped in. And I've never been the same. I've never been, as my daddy always said. He said it up to the day he died. I'm not always what I should be. But I've never been what I used to be. Jesus, he's standing before you right now, risen from the dead with his arms open. He said, the clock's ticking and the days are winding. Will you come? If that's you, just raise your hand. I'm going to speak directly to you and we're going to pray. If it's you, raise your hand. I'll join you. God bless you. Who else will raise your hand? Say, I need it, man. I need it. I can't change the world because I can't change my own life. Church, agree with me. Father, we're sorry. You at home, agree with us. Father, I'm sorry. I turned from my sins. I realize I had nothing. I realize I am nothing without you. So I come. I lay down my life. I accept the payment you paid for my sins. My debt is paid. Forgive me. Lift me out of the pit that I stand in. Put my feet on a solid rock. Put a new song in my mouth. And I'll give you all of me. Become the Lord of my life. I realize this life is not about me. It's about Nineveh. And I don't know much. I can't do much. But I'm yours. Thank you for forgiving me, for saving me, for loving me, accepting me, change me. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. Give him praise in this house. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. In front of you, you'll see some cards. They're just connection cards. If you've got a prayer request, please just fill it out. Drop it in one of the boxes. They come right to me and Pastor Dwayne. If you made a decision for the Lord today, maybe you just went all in to go to Nineveh. Let us know so we can pray with you. We pray over these cards. If there's a need you have, let us know. If we can meet it, we want to be the church to you. God bless you. I love you. Thank you. Have a great week.